Before we get into today's episode, if you're listening to this podcast and you don't know by now, we're here to tell you that hockey has returned to ESPN. The NHL season has started back up, and that means you can stream your team's games on ESPN+. Plus, From the Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning to the brand new Seattle Kraken. Subscribe to ESPN Plus so you don't miss a goal. In the Crease is presented by ADT. Brilliantly safe. In the Crease, the ESPN NHL podcast with Linda Cohn and Emily Kaplan. Welcome to another fabulous episode. This is In the Crease, Linda Cohn, Emily Kaplan. What's not fabulous, Emily, is the uncertainty surrounding the NHL and these games that are scheduled to be played, but now are being postponed left and right. Where do we stand as we record this podcast on Monday, December 20th? We stand with a situation where more than 100 players are in COVID protocol, five head coaches, there have been more than 40 games postponed and 10, nine teams, I think the Calgary Flames are back today, are on a full-on pause. That's wild. Um, it really has wrecked havoc on the league. It feels like it crept out of nowhere. I think society at large underestimated how bad this surge would be from this variant and definitely the NHL. The NHL does not want to go on pause, a full-on pause. They want to see this through through the Christmas break. But over the weekend, there were a lot of tough conversations between the NHL and NHLPA. Specifically, a lot of teams just didn't want to cross over the border because guys were getting stuck. And what they came to figure out is, let's try to get through to Christmas. We'll cancel the games that we need to, where there's teams that are just having too bad of outbreaks. But we've got to squeeze in as many games as possible. But there was also a conversation this weekend, Linda, and I don't think this should come as any a surprise to anybody but basically the NHL said, we'll cancel cross-border travel. We've got more than 40 games postponed. But just so you know, this is a material impact to our season. And therefore, we're not going to be able to go to the Olympics. And as we record this, the announcement hasn't been made. From my understanding, I think it's just figuring out how that announcement is going to be made. Is it just an NHLPA announcement? Does, or the NHL announcement, does the PA get involved? Is it a joint announcement? How does that go? But I can tell you confidently, players are not going to the Olympics anymore. Yeah, uh, what was a difficult decision now has become an easy decision because I said this early and I'll say it again. Yes, the players have worked very hard. Their dream is to win a gold medal at the Olympic. But you know what's a bigger dream? It's always winning a Stanley Cup. And going to the Olympics would interfere with that dream and that mission. And that's more important. And they understand it. And I said it before, as soon as they read in between the lines, of what was going on and how things were out of their control, out of the NHLPA's control, out of the NHL's control, once you get to Beijing. If those rules were not changing, well, these players were going to change their mind and just look at it, look at the pros and cons, and there were more cons than pros about going to the Olympics. And now that decision will likely be taken out of the players' hands by people that have done the research, talked to medical experts, uh, figured out the logistics, and realized, wait a minute, you know, we can't bankrupt this sport anymore. You know, I, I it was a down day that Friday. Uh, I covered the Ducks Coyotes, but leading up to that game where I was between the benches and we spoke on the phone, Emily, I was concerned about when I saw, you know, Montreal, no fans in the stands. That was a flashback uh, in the present that I didn't want to go back to. And it was, I was really down. I was really depressed. And even, even waking up that morning of the game on Friday, the Ducks Coyotes game, I was unsure, are we going to have a game? Because what was going on around us, and it was moving so fast. 
So where we stand now, this would be the right thing to do. One more thing before we get to our fabulous guest, New York Rangers defenseman Jacob Truba. Emily, uh, we saw on Saturday over the weekend what the NFL did. They adjusted their COVID protocols, changing them up. And this is a big, big debate for a lot of people who are on one side of the fence and the other people who thought it was a fabulous move. I'm on the side of the NFL being this was a great move, uh, a move that had to be done. Because starting next week in week 16, 16, things will get back to normal. After what they went through in week 15, where we have games on Monday night and Tuesday, games being postponed, so many players in COVID protocol, they just decided, hey, you know what? You're vaccinated. You're not showing any symptoms. You're asymptomatic. I got an idea. We're not going to test you every week. If you complain of symptoms, if you have issues, if you're around people that have had COVID, that's different then you get tested. But by doing so, the games go on. We have too many players in COVID protocol, too many games being postponed with players not experiencing any symptoms. So Linda, that interview was expressed by Steve Eiserman, who's the GM of the Detroit Red Wings, obviously a pretty well-respected voice in hockey being a Hall of Famer. And I can tell you, he's not alone. And he pretty much questioned, why are we testing? You know, And what we've gone in the last week is daily testing now. There is a large group of players who feel that same way. He's not speaking alone. There's also a large group of players who are like, wait, we shouldn't even be playing, let alone not testing. Like, I don't feel safe. I don't feel safe going to the rink and knowing what I could be exposed to and then going home to my family with young children. And these are all calls that the PA was fielding over the last couple of days. I do know that typically these sports leagues are aligned. And when you see in one league, you might see in another I just think the NHL and the NFL are in different wavelengths for a couple different reasons. One, just where the schedule is. The NFL is at the point where they're like 75% done. They're, they're near right. playoffs. They've got to see it through. Two, right. the biggest issue that's the biggest difference between the NHL and NFL is the border. The Canadian government is not going to allow a player to like, oh, by the way, like he's asymptomatic. We just haven't tested him. He probably has COVID. We're not going to let him over the border. The Canadian border is not allowing that. And so that's another big reason why I do believe that testing will maintain in the NHL. Um, one thing that I do think is interesting though, is when we talk about a full on pause, it wasn't just the league and Gary Bettman being like, let's play on. We need the revenue. The players were fighting for it too, because let's remember they have an escrow system where they're Salaries are calculated based off of hockey-related revenue. They're already taking massive L's because of what happened the last two seasons. They don't want to lose any more of their money. And so there's motivation for them to finish this season as best as possible. And we're going to finish the season. I think we are. I think we're going to get into some really complicated logistics because we will get that three-week break. As we said, a lot of building availabilities are snatched up. We're going to have to figure out how we piecemeal it. And we might need to see them get creative. And I don't know how creative they're willing to be, but maybe there's like a hub city during the Olympic break where everybody yeah. comes in and plays games like that. These are all conversations that I know are being had at the league office. It's just, I hate saying the word because I hear it too much, but things are still very fluid. Yeah, you brought up a lot of great stuff there, Emily. I think you're right with alternative plans during those three weeks. If their big time arenas are booked up, I believe they're going to start looking for secondary arenas. Maybe in this, they're going to start in the same city. OK, and if this means having uh, fewer or little fans in the stands, not because of COVID, but just to get a game played, to get a game in that counts on the schedule so they can catch up. Because, Emily, do we really want them trying to? Yeah, it would be great. I hope they finish the season. I don't want them to finish the season in August. 
No, and I don't think they want to. And I don't think our bosses at ESPN want to because we've scheduled to have the Stanley Cup final. And there's a lot of dates that they want to hit. Um, one thing that I think was interesting and just want to bring it up again as we start talking about the potential of hub cities, again, still very preliminary, but this is some things that are, you know, conversations that are happening. When we were doing the bubble in 2020, um, North Dakota was mentioned. Oh, let's have it at that great Ralph Engelstead arena. Let's have it at other smaller arenas. Why not? If there's no fans, let's do it there. And the NHL determined that they need the back end capabilities of an NHL rank to put on an NHL game. And I would expect that philosophy is maintained the same. So if we do go to alternative sites or players or neutral sites or whatever it is, I'd expect them to already be NHL ranks. All right. And to see how this is impacting players on an individual level, we talked to a guy who is not playing at all this week because his team has been shut down. And that's Jacob Truba from the New York Rangers. Want to welcome in New York Rangers defenseman Jacob Truba to the In the Crease podcast with Linda Cohn and Emily Kaplan. Jacob, first and foremost, we got to start with what's going on off the ice and how you as one of the team leaders uh, dealing with the chaos uh, revolving what the league is going through right now and, and the schedule. Yeah, it's uh, everyone's kind of in the same boat, but it's uh, very fluid, I guess. So it's you're, you're kind of finding stuff out every day, every couple hours, maybe waiting for a phone call, but um, everybody's going through it. Obviously a challenging time for not just hockey, but the world right now. So um, yeah, we'll get through it and just kind of roll, roll with the punches, I guess, is our, our attitude. Jacob, you've always been a physical player, but in the last month, you know, you've gotten your name in the news for a series of really big hits and they've all been clean. You haven't gotten any discipline from the Department of Player Safety, um, but it definitely got a lot of people's attention. I just want to know what has it first been like just seeing your name out there in this way and people talking about the way you play, having opinions on the way you play? Like, what's that been like for you? Um, it's been a little different. I think I don't think that part of my game's ever been criticized in that I don't think the dirty player was out there, but that they were dirty hits. Um, that's something I don't think I've really dealt with, I guess, in, in the past. Uh, I've never really had that, that rep or people question me in that way. So that, that part was, was a little different, but uh, yeah, I mean, it just kind of happened to, to be consecutive games that it happened. So yeah. um, it's not something I really go out looking for or, or chasing around. It just kind of, when it presents itself, uh, I mean, I play the game physically. What goes through that moment, though, when you see the opposing player, even though it was a legal hit, all those hits, as Emily pointed out, and as I pointed out on this podcast, have been legal hits, but you're still human, Jacob. I mean, what goes through your mind when you see the opposing player slow getting up? Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously no one no one wants to see that, especially uh, Drew Jarr in Chicago. I mean, I talked to him after the game. Um, we, we have the same agency, so I, I mean, I've reached out to my agent a couple of times to check in, see how he's doing. Um, but yeah, I mean, nobody wants to see anybody get hurt. No one plays the game to, to get hurt or try to hurt people. It's not what we're doing. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely not, not good to see. You don't want to see it, but at the same time, it's a, it's a risk. I guess everybody takes playing the game that it's a, it's a fast, physical, hard game. And those things happen. Has it changed at all the way you play? Like, have, have you double thought giving another hit or, you know, especially open ice hits? You rarely see those anymore. Yeah, um, I don't think so. I mean, that's that's always been a, a part of my game. It's obviously not the, like I said, not really the focal point, but I mean, that's that opportunity presents itself and the guy has the puck and you can make a, a clean physical play. That's something that I've, I guess I've always done throughout, like not just my NHL career, but growing up, I was always a, a physical player and that's a, that's a big part of my game. 
Yeah, you know what, Jacob? I mean, Ranger fans uh, are seeing a lot of that and they're loving it, that physicality. Um, many of these fans, many of the people, you know, just uh, hockey people are like, wow, this is the Jacob Truba we knew always existed. Is there something different about this year for you individually? Does it, some, does it have anything to do with the, the new head coach, Gerard Gallant? Can you talk to me about anything that has affected you individually, maybe with a coaching change or maybe just within you when you were about to start the season? Um, I mean, I think a little, little bit of both. I think obviously Turk's been been great, great addition for our team. I think it uh, kind of opens, opens guys up to be a little, little more comfortable and not more risky, but if you, if you make a mistake, you know, you're, it's going to be okay. He, he wants you to work hard. He expects you to work hard and, show up every day and if you're working hard he has a lot of time for you and you may he knows guys are gonna make mistakes but um the bigger part I'd say is just getting comfortable in New York I think coming here my first year I was Mm. pretty overwhelmed with just a change in lifestyle not even at the rink but away from the rink and then the whole pandemic hit and things just kind of got you know I was just very uncomfortable and took some time to adjust and uh, I feel I just feel more comfortable this year more comfortable with staff at the rink with teammates with just what what to expect what's expected out of me um so i think it's just a comfort level that i feel like i'm i'm myself again not, not that i never was but i feel very comfortable coming to the rink you know what i mean and i think that's a big big piece of it is just comfort what are the biggest differences in playing for a canadian market and a u.s market um i for me i guess there's obviously kind of apples to oranges a little bit with a, a small Canadian city to New York, but um, there's not a lot of distractions. I would say in Winnipeg, it was always hockey. And then that's pretty much it. If the bombers are doing well. Sometimes there's some bombers coverage, but you can kind of maybe fly under the radar a little bit more here. If Whatever you have a bad week. There's, there's another sports team. There's, there's other things going on get some attention in Winnipeg. It was, it was jets all the time is what it seemed. You were saying you're now accustomed to the big apple to New York, you and your family. Are there things that you're able to do? I mean, let's put COVID aside, but really enjoying what the city has to offer. Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been great. So we, we actually were here this past summer we stayed here and we got to go to a lot of, not a lot of people were going out to eat. So we kind of went out and did the, the outdoor dining scene and got to go to a lot of restaurants we were trying to go to. Um, been to some shows, been to, went to the Cirque show a couple nights ago, um, went to the Temptations on Broadway. We've been trying to do a lot of New York stuff. And I mean, I think the food's probably the biggest thing that we're always trying to find new restaurants to go out to eat. And there's always something to do. We don't, we don't sit at home very often. All right. I want to know, just to get to know you a little bit, after a really great game, how do you celebrate? And if you have a game that you are not so happy with, how, what do you do to get over it, to get ready for the next day? Uh, not much either way. I, I would say, I mean, immediately after, obviously you, you think about it. And then by the time I shower and get dressed, I try not to bring hockey home, I guess, in a sense of getting in the car and whether it's a bad game, I got a pretty, pretty good life being able to get in this car and drive home. And if it's a, if it's a good game, it doesn't really, I don't know. I don't really ever get too high off the game or two games or three games and um, just kind of go home, be myself and, Kind of just roll with the punches and be grateful for what I got, I guess. 
You know, Jacob, before the season, I mean, the Rangers made some other kind of headlines, nothing big, but interesting, you know, intriguing. And it became a talking point why nobody was named captain. I mean, on this podcast, I either mentioned your name or Chris Kreider. I mean, either one of you would be an amazing captain for this team. I push for it a lot. What is the thinking behind not having a captain to this team? How does that work? Um, I mean, no, we have, we have a group of leaders, I think. Whether you have a captain or not, you're going to depend on a group of leaders anyways. Um, that was the choice the, the organization made. And I mean, once once that choice was made, I don't think anybody's really dwelled on it. We're happy with the, I mean, we're six guys with A's, but I'd say there's a, a bigger group. I think Revo is a big part of it. Um, we have a group of leaders. We meet, we talk. If we don't like things, we discuss them, how we're going to fix things. And I mean, I think it's been, it's been working for us. I don't think there's, there doesn't have to be one guy. There can be, there doesn't have to be. We have a lot of voices and I think guys lead in different ways. And it's nice to incorporate that all into the group we have. Last question I have for you. It just feels like Igor Shesterkin has just really taken a star turn this year. I want to know, like, what is he like off the ice? What's his demeanor like? What's his personality like? Um, he's a pretty funny guy. He's got some, some witty one-liners. He might kill me. He might kill me for saying this, but you guys, next time you interview him, ask him to do the dance and Larry dance. <laughs> Noted. <laughs> Larry dance. <laughs> Wrote that down. That's good. I can imagine the jokes going back and forth between him and Panarin because I know Panarin is a sneaky joke. Yeah, subject, we don't. Right? We don't get to understand any of those jokes. Those jokes are usually in Russian, so <laughs> I just fake laugh and pretend it's funny. <laughs> I got one more, then I'll let you go. Uh, you know, we know, and we're, we're knocking on wood, Ranger fans everywhere, the great start, everything coming into play. And, but you know, I have to ask you if there's an area of improvement moving forward after this long break that you're going to have here because of postponements and then the Christmas break, what are some of the things the team as a whole would like to work on and get better at? Um, I would say consistency would be our, our big thing. I think game to game and even within a game I mean we we show spurts of how we can play and how we want to play and it's having I guess the mental toughness and the ability to know that if we play that game every game we'll, we'll have a better chance to win than if we kind of get away from it and go go to more of the east west not wanting to get to the net not wanting to play play the hard game that's kind of the trap we fall into sometimes so finding that that line of always bringing a consistent game, I think, is, is going to help us. And we're getting better at it. And it's going to, it's going to be something we keep working at. All right. Uh, we wish you only the best moving forward in this season for the New York Rangers. And prayer emojis, we hope we finish this season as a whole in the National Hockey League. And thank you so much, Jacob Truba, for taking the time to be with us. Us too. Thank you for having me. I love the part listening to Jacob Truba talk about New York City, and this is the year that he finally figured it all out with his life. But notice, and I'm sure your ears perked up, I know mine did, and my eyes were popping out, when he talks about they really took advantage of the restaurants. You know, when people aren't going to the restaurants during this COVID craziness, there's Jacob Truba and his lovely wife sitting outside, beautiful outdoor dining, getting into all those great restaurants. For those who think, you know, Jacob Truber walking down the streets of Broadway, recognized wherever he goes. Not the case in New York City. You know, he could just do whatever he wants and he can't just say, snap his fingers and get a table at any amazing New York City restaurant. So I got a kick out of that, that uh, he and his wife took advantage of that. Some Broadway shows. I thought that was pretty cool. I do too. And I just want to make a note about his wife, Kelly, because if you don't know Jacob Truba's story, it's 
I love it. And I think it's heartwarming. Yes. He um, is an American born player. He went to the university of Michigan, his wife, Kelly, he met there. Um, I wrote about a story about them. She was hilarious. She's like, make sure you mention that he was three years younger than me. Put that in the story. <laughs> um, I think she was a senior. He was a freshman. Anyways, they've been longtime sweethearts and he was playing in Winnipeg and she was going to med school and she was starting to think about what type of medicine she wanted to practice. And she didn't want to get a license in Canada. She wanted to work in the U.S. And it was going to be hard for her to pursue her career goals if they stayed there. And that's one of the biggest reasons that he wanted out of Winnipeg was to support her dreams, too. So I just love that story because it's just such an equal relationship. And I bet they split the bill at dinner. Just kidding. Yeah. yeah. Her, uh, <laughs> but I still think I know who the breadwinner is. Have you seen his contract? Pays well. Uh, well deserved, by the way. Well deserved. Um, so I mentioned on Friday, I was in between the benches, Ducks, Coyotes, really a, you know, great game. If you love scoring, you know, it was six, five and OT, uh, Clayton Keller, two goals, including the winner in overtime, got a chance to talk to him after the game. What a delight. What, a, as I tweeted out about Clayton Keller, I mean, the league is in such great hands. Another young American player with so much talent, so well-spoken, uh, so exciting. You know, I was watching the Coyotes bench and we know the trials and tribulations, right, Emily, of the Arizona Coyotes on and off the ice. And to watch Phil Kessel talk with Clayton Keller, watching those two, they're constantly in good conversation on the bench. You know, Clayton Keller learning from Kessel, Kessel still having fun, the big smile after he scored. I mean, it's just so nice to see, even when things are going, you know, in the crapper, so to speak, and that's the way things were going for the Coyotes before their big OT win over the Ducks kind of brought the Ducks down to earth a little bit. Um, I don't know. It was just great to see because, you know, it's not easy. It's challenging as it is. And when you're losing all the time and you're hearing you might not even be in Arizona uh, much longer, you know, it's hard to block that kind of stuff out. Uh, but also I did have a chance um, to talk to Trevor Zegras, everyone's favorite player on the Ducks. Uh, speaking of young American stars, and it was really interesting because I'm bringing this up, Emily, because remember the last episode of our podcast, I was telling you, finally, thanks to my daughter, Sammy, I've been watching Ted Lasso. OK, and you were like, finally, I mean, late to the party. The, the show started back in 2020. You know, that's not right. That's what I said. So, right. And then because I, I was bringing up that I think Dallas Akins, you know, who is one of our favorite coaches has a little Ted Lasso in him because he always has these cute little one-liners of inspiration, not with that kind of accent that uh, obviously uh, Ted Lasso uses in the show and his character there. But um, he does have these great little sayings. So I brought that up to Trevor Zegras and he agreed with me. He goes, yes, coach definitely has a little Ted Lasso in him. And I asked Trevor Zegras, I go, do you watch Ted Lasso? Do you know what I'm talking about with all these things? He goes, of course I do. It's such a great show. And he goes, as a matter of fact, one of those quotes... I live by. And I go, what quote is that, Trevor? He goes that when that scene, it was one in the first few episodes of season one. And he said, Ted Lasso was talking to one of the players, Sam. And he said, basically, what do you know what the coolest animal in the world is, Sam? And Sam answered back, no, who, what? And like, like Ted Lasso was nuts. And Ted Lasso go, it's a goldfish. And Sam looks at Ted Lasso and says, it's a goldfish. Why a goldfish? Because the goldfish has a 10 second memory. Be a goldfish. Trevor Zegris is a goldfish. He told me he always thinks about that when a pass doesn't work, 
when he takes a chance and it doesn't, the final result doesn't come out the way he would like. He thinks about that Ted Lasso line, be a goldfish. I love that. That's so fun. <laughs> Hopefully that means that he hasn't let all the attention get to his head because every 10 seconds there's a new news wave about him, but he keeps forgetting it. <laughs> yeah, he no, he's definitely humble and balanced. So yeah, that goldfish thing works in all ways uh, for sure. But I thought that was uh, really, really cool. And just shows you that, you know, he really gets it. It was Star Wars night. He came to the the uh, pregame uh, with a little baby Yoda uh, in his lap. He came into the arena with little baby Yoda. He knows the moment. He knows the stage. And he he knows what to do with that stage, whether it's on the ice or off the ice. And I, I just think right now he has it all. And, and I, I think they're in good shape because I do think uh, he is very humble and he stays balanced. And, and it's had a great effect, obviously, on the Ducks, who will be, I believe, still compete for first place, even though the Vegas Golden Knights seem to have everything going on. And uh, before we get out of here, I do want to mention something, and I know you're probably going to comment on this, and I thought it was really cool. Uh, Robin Leonard's return to Long Island, uh, facing the Islanders, and the wonderful, not only the video tribute, and the Islanders did a great job welcoming him back, but the quotes by Robin after the game, very emotional, talking about what this organization, what Long Island meant to him, pointing out the tattoo, his new tattoo of Long Island on his neck. I want it, you're very close to Robin. I'd like to hear what you had to say because it really moved me. I mean, the best tribute he had was that tweet that he posted over the weekend with his beard trimmings and the sink saying, yes. I'm going to Lou's house, Lou's rules, Lou Amarillo, yeah. no beards allowed, which was pretty epic considering he had a pretty epic beard uh, going. But yeah, no. And, you know, people say, oh, he's making too much of it. It's about himself. This is his life. His life changed when he was there. His life was saved by the New York Islanders who gave him that second chance after rehab, who welcomed him with open arms, who gave him structure back into his life. So it's really neat to see him still feel connected in that way. And I do feel like the fans are still connected to him. One last thing I want to mention, just piggybacking off the Arizona Coyotes, because that's just a team we don't talk about a lot. It's interesting you talk about Phil Kessel being so engaged and talking. He's a name we haven't heard yet, but he's going to be gone at the trade deadline. Especially oh, yes. because of the way that his contract is structured. He doesn't cost that much real money for a team to take on. His UFA this summer, I'd expect a contender to come and say, hey, I'll take Phil Kessel as my third line winger. That doesn't sound so bad. Um, and really, as we've mentioned before, almost every player on the Arizona Coyotes is up for sale um, as long as it means draft picks or future prospects. And lately that has been Jacob Chikrin. I do know that they are fielding calls on him, but the ass are just so massive, especially because he's so young. He's way younger than you think. He's only 23 years old, locked up for a few more years. When you're trading for him, you're trading for a big piece of your future. So I don't think a deal is going to get done just because the asking prices I've heard are absurd. Um, but I would not be surprised to see a couple of Coyotes in different uniforms uh, about two months from now. Yeah, another one of those guys is Andrew Ladd, a guy that I really like and respect and admire. You know, you called him my boy on the phone this week. I was like, I've never been talking my life. I, I just because he played for Chicago. I think any guy, anything just because you're not from Chicago. Again, let's repeat that for the five thousand five. But you live in Chicago, so I always, anytime there's a Blackhawk involved, I call him your boy. He said this regular radio hit in Vancouver, and I love those guys so much. But like every other third week they'd be like oh Emily you know we know you're a Bears fan what do you think of the Bears this week and I'd always be like well you know I'm kind of just a bandwagon fan I didn't grow up here but this is what people think and I tried to get out of it every time and every time they 
effing asked me. What do you think of your bears, Emily? How do you feel about your bears? Well, Andrew Ladd is one of those guys that, you know, I think, I still think he's got something left. He's a good, good locker room guy. And he scored the night I was in between the benches. And, uh, you know, but getting back to Kessel, you know, I could see him back if the Penguins could pull something off, see him back in Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, that team's for real. They've won seven in a row. And one day Gino is going to walk back in the door, Gino Malkin to help out Sid and everybody else on that team. Um, but again, your guy, Mike Sullivan, definitely deserves uh, recognition. I'll say he's my guy because last episode I did say he should get up and be nominated. I don't, I episode. listen, I listen, I definitely listen and he should. And he, I know that makes him my guy. But he will get Jack Adams recognition. And, and speaking of Vancouver, could there be a worse time for the this, this season to pause or the Canucks not to have any games for Bruce Boudreaux, who hasn't lost yet, 6-0 and behind the Canucks bench. If you're a Canucks fan, you're like, really? Do we have to stop things now? This crossing the border thing, can't we play? But, you know, you got to look at it positively, and that's what you try to do. You try to say, okay, since Bruce hit uh, Vancouver, he hasn't had any practice time with the team. All they do is play games. So this would be a good opportunity to besides virtual meetings and do more of those to really get to know his own team. But even when he didn't know his own team, they're six and oh. It's wild. All right. Another coach that's done a decent job so far. I'm curious to see how they do this week is Mike Yo. And I mentioned that because I'm in Philadelphia where I think a game will be played tomorrow night between the uh, Flyers yeah. and the Capitals. I have that same type of anxiety you had that day in Anaheim. We're like, I'm going to wake up tomorrow and be like, I hope it's happening. The, uh, Flyers had Kevin Hayes get pulled from practice today, and we know that the Caps have had a lot of COVID issues. And I just want to give them credit because they lost in LA last night as we record this. So short. Congrats to Garrett Sparks, by the way. Congrats to Garrett Sparks. I know him well. Shout out, long road back to the NHL. 33 saves in the victory. Been in an NHL game since 2019, and to maintain yeah. your faith in yourself and your focus, and then to come on that stage and yes. perform. You're right. He deserves all the kudos. Anyway, I think that the Caps deserve a lot of kudos because they've had to insert young guys in the lineup. The other night, literally, Ovi was the only name forward that you could recognize out there, and they somehow are managing to still pile up wins. So I'm curious to see what's going to happen in this game Tuesday where I'll be between the benches. It's going to be Bob Wishusian, me, and Kevin Weeks on the call. Our producer, Jeff Define, is from New Jersey. Kevin lives in New Jersey. Bob's from New Jersey. I'm from New Jersey. It's the all-New Jersey broadcast, Linda. Oh, can I tell you something? My brother, who does not live in New Jersey, just told me about something he got via social media that all New Jerseyans are not going to like. And, 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 and he got some, yes, are you ready? There was a skyline of New Jersey sent to him and the caption read, you know what the best thing about New Jersey is? Leaving. <laughs> I'm sorry, Adam, he said. It's fine because I did leave and I don't live there currently. As we've established, you are in Chicago. So I knew you would. You take the high road. I got, we got to leave so I can watch my Bears Monday Night Football. Yes. Up. Let's leave it there. Good luck. I'll be on In the Crease Tuesday night, Wednesday night. Greatest hockey highlight show on ESPN+. Plus. What are you going to talk about Wednesday night? There's no games. Oh, then I'm off Wednesday night. Okay, then I won't be doing on Wednesday. Uh, I'll, I'll see everybody on Tuesday night. We'll, we'll follow me down to only your, our two games. Let's hope. We have two games still scheduled. Did I jinx it? No, your game and another game. We do, right? The Coyotes Kraken in Seattle, another ESPN Plus exclusive. There you go.
So hallelujah. Thanks for giving me the night off on Wednesday. <laughs> Happy early Christmas, Linda. Happy early Christmas, Emily. Okay, before we let you go, we want you all to go please check out Swagoo and Perk, a new ESPN podcast led by its namesake host, former NFL veteran and analyst, Marcus Spears, he's Swagoo, and NBA champion and analyst, Kendrick Perkins. Perk! With new episodes every Tuesday morning, Spears and Perkins will bring listeners the latest NBA and NFL news, as well as a look inside their lives, career journey, with can't-miss conversations, and welcome in top sports and celebrity guests. That's Swagoo and Perk. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.